The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And as we get closer and closer to the 2021 NFL draft, we're trying to bring you as many different uh, different perspectives, as much information and analysis as we can about draft prospects and about your New York Giants. And uh, here to help me do that today is longtime NFL draft analysts, and I know people hate it when I use the word long time. I probably shouldn't do that because it makes people feel old. But uh, NFL draft analyst Rob Rang, currently working for Fox Sports and doing the, the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Rob, it's been a long time since you and I chatted. It has been, but uh, I, I'm eager to uh, to resume our our longstanding relationship, Ed, and uh, and talk a little bit of Giants football in 2021 NFL draft. All right, so uh, so you are currently you know doing some writing, doing some work for Fox Sports these days, and and you you recently released I don't know was it what was it today yesterday the uh, the, the the three round mock draft that you released. Yeah, I, I wrote it yesterday and it got published today. So, um, yep. So just here in the last couple of, a uh, little bit of hour, a few hours here. All right. So, so let's, so let's pick that apart. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's give you a hard time. Yep. All right. Uh, let's go through your three picks for the giants at 11. You gave them, you gave them quitty pay yep. and you know, that that's looking at, uh, I think Jalen Waddles off the board there. I think the offensive linemen were off the board there, you know, being Slater and, and, and Panay Sewell off the board there. Um, I'm going to tell you that I'm not fond of Quiddy pay at 11 for the giants. And I'll tell you why. And then, and then you can, you can give me your reasoning for making that pick. I see the, I see the player. I see a guy that I think He's a high motor guy, a guy that is a little bit similar to Justin Tuck in the fact that you might be able to move him inside and rush him from inside. 
I see a guy that's going to be a dy- that's going to be a good NFL player, but I'm not sure he's a dynamic bend the edge guy. Nor am I sure with a Giants team that they play all you know they they play some four three. They're hybrid. Sometimes they're two down linemen with two guys standing up, but they're base four three. And I look at Quiddy Pay, and I'm just not sure he fits because I see him as a base four three. I don't see him as a guy that that you want to play a lot of snaps standing up. So, so w- with all of that, tell me what you see about Quiddy Pay, uh, and, and tell me you know tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, well, I I I think that you certainly know your Giants a, a lot better than I do. What I would say is with with Quiddy Pay, I, I see a guy who I personally believe does have a little bit more versatility. You mentioned Justin Tuck before. Um, I don't know that he is the same, you know, he's not as tall and lean as Justin Tuck. Uh, he doesn't have the same arm length, but he actually reminds me of a guy that, um, that I remember watching a lot uh, from Michigan that wound up in Seattle now as a member of the Kansas city chiefs and Frank Clark. And I really like the, the heaviness of his hands um, and the way that he is able to kind of jolt uh, the, the would be blockers and be able to disengage. I do think that he can slide inside and play that, uh, the, that defensive tackle position. And so to me, that gives him a little bit of the positional versatility uh, to be able to play all up and down the, the defensive line. I also think that when you look at the Giants and the fact that I believe they had 40, 41 sacks a year ago, that, that looks impressive on, ta- uh, on paper until you subtract uh, the, the 11 and a half that Leonard Williams had uh, a year ago. And, and so to me, it makes the Giants very... I wouldn't want to say one dimensional, but basically they have one superstar and I think that they need a little bit more. And so I do think that adding another defensive lineman, another pass rusher is important. It may wind up not being quitty pay, but I think that the depth on the offensive line is such that you could go for one of these defensive linemen in the first round and then be able to come back in, in the second or third round and be able to get an offensive uh, offensive lineman. Because um, as, as you were kind of leading up to uh, you know, to the Giants at number eleven, I do have Rashawn Slater um, from Northwestern falling uh, a couple of picks after the Giants. I've been going number thirteen overall to the Chargers. So um, I just I think that when you look at the investments that the Giants have made, uh, especially with the rookie last year at the offensive tackle um, Andrew Thomas, then I, I just think I have a hard time justifying um, another early uh, uh, selection on the offensive line, especially given given the depth of this year's class. Um, so again, I, I think Quiddy Pay to me checks a lot of those boxes. Um, and, and that's why I, I thought that he was a solid selection for them uh, at number 11, if he is indeed available at that spot. Yeah, it's interesting. And I realized as we were talking that I misspoke, you did leave Rashawn Slater, you know, on the board at 11. So he was there and, and I love Slater. I think Slater is a really natural fit for the giants. The problem is if you, Andrew Thomas is staying at left tackle. Mm -hmm. They love Matt Parrott, who they drafted in the third round a year ago. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about, about Parrott. Although I thought he played fairly well in his limited snaps a year ago. I, I think it's hard to justify drafting a guy as, as much as, as much as I might do it. If Slater's available, it, it's difficult to justify drafting a guy 
who's probably a starting guard in 2021, you know, with the 11th pick. Yeah. You agree with that? You do agree with that? I do. I do. And and that's my, that's my biggest issue here is that again, because the giants, I I am a fan of Matt Parrott and I am a fan of Andrew Thomas as well. I I do expect a significant, uh, you know, improvement i thought i thought that the andrew thomas least nationally um has gotten a little bit of a of a bad rap for struggling as a rookie i think that he played better than at least the national perception um and i think that he will make big strides uh in his second year he certainly did that at georgia and i expect him to do the same in, in the nfl so to me that that is the argument there is that uh i just don't see the the justification i, I don't see the value you in selecting a guard at number 11 overall when i think there's a lot of other good guards that you might be able to find in the, in the second round or the third round for that matter um and, and so again with, with quitty pay i think that the 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 talent along the offensive line is such that um that it is is deep enough that the difference between the first couple of players and the next couple of players is not nearly as wide, in my opinion, as it is among the defensive line. I think that in the, the defensive line, the pass rushers, you've got guys like Pay, like Rousseau, uh, um, you know, like uh, uh, Jalen Phillips from Miami as well. And then after that, I, I think that there is a big gap there. And that's where I think the Giants might be looking to, and other clubs might be looking to take full advantage of. Well, if it, if it makes you feel any better, Dane Brugler over at The Athletic did his seven-round mock draft this week, and his pick at 11 for the Giants was Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman out of USC, who, again, a lot like Slater, really good player, guy that I know would be a starter for the Giants and, and, and would make the Giants better. But I actually reviewed that draft at Big Blue View, and I actually looked at it. And I could find going into even the third round of the mock that he did, I found a half a dozen guys who I thought you could have taken at 76 who would compete for starting guard jobs in the NFL as rookies. So, and and I think that 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 in itself might devalue taking a Slater or a Vera Tucker at 11. Well, I agree. And that, that's a big part of, of my rationale here. Uh, I think that Dane does a great job. Um, you know, I, I'm certainly not questioning that that interior offensive line is, is a concern for the Giants. I think especially when you have a young quarterback in, in Daniel Jones, who is mobile. Um, but I think that at the same time, you want him, because he does not have an elite arm, in my opinion, you want him to be able to step into his throws. When he is able to use his core and step into his throws, I think the velocity is just fine. But if he is unable to do so, then that's where you start to see some of the concerns with, with the, the pure arm strength, at least in my opinion. And so, uh, again, I, I think that the adding a guard early would make some sense. Uh, I'm not quite as high on Elijah Vera Tucker as uh, apparently Dane is or, or some others are. Uh, I think he's a good player. I think that he absolutely walks into the NFL. And I, I love the positional versatility that he and Slater provide. There, no question about it. I, they, they are guys that can play that tackle position that can play guard. I think that both of them have the intelligence uh, and, and the, the kind of square build to be able to slide inside at center. If you really wanted to, 
Um, but at the same time, again, I think that there's good positional. Uh, uh, I think there's good depth at that position this year. And then with, with Vera Tucker specifically, uh, I, I would say that if you watch his tape against Oregon, um, the Pac-12 championship game. Now, the, the kid that Oregon, Kayvon Thibodeau, is a special guy. He's going to be a top five pick next year, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, he was eaten alive by, by some of Thibodeau's speed. And so just considering some of the talent that you see along the defensive line in the NFC East, that would frighten me a little bit. And, and so, again, that's one of the reasons why I personally have Elijah Tucker, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, excuse me, uh, dropping a little bit later down into the first round. I do have him as a first round pick, but a number 11 overall to me is pretty rich. Before we move completely off number 11, I want to throw a name at you and, and see how you feel about whether or not this is a player you could justify seeing the Giants take at 11. Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. I When I look at the Giants and when I look at Ojolari, I don't know if Ojolari is going to be a 10 or 12 sack a year guy in the NFL. I think he's a guy maybe a little bit like, you know, like, like a Leonard Williams who doesn't year after year after year put up big numbers, but, but can impact the pocket. But what I love about Ojolari is I see a guy who can rush the passer pretty well. I see a guy who's got the ability, you know, to, to hold the edge. He's also got the ability to stand up and drop, mm-hmm. which when I look at the giants and I look at the multiple things that they do, I like that skill set. I also happen to love the fact that he's still 20 years old. Um, So, so I guess my question is, is Ojolari a guy you could justify taking at 11? I can. I think that, uh, you know, to me, there, there is not a one dominant pass rusher in this draft class, in my opinion. Um, I, I think that there are a number of players that you have to kind of fit the, fit the, the player to your specific scheme. Um, as we talked about previously, the, the Giants do run multiple different alignments. And Ojolari, I think because of his positional versatility, the, his ability to drop back in space, as you mentioned, um, he's got those really long arms. Um, and so even though he's kind of a shorter guy, that uh, he is able to lock out, def- uh, lock out uh, would-be blockers. And, and he does have that burst. He does have better bend, in my opinion, than Quiddy Pay has. Um, and as you said, 20 years old, and that's very, very intriguing. Um, you know, for a guy who came in to uh, sign on with Georgia, tears his ACL, misses his first season, then the next two years winds up leading the Bulldogs in sacks each of the next two seasons. To me, that is a testament to his athletic ability. It's a testament to his heart. And so I think that that is exactly the type of player that every NFL club is looking for. So to me, I, I'm nervous. If I was an NFL team, I'd be nervous about taking uh, investing a top 20 pick in any of these pass rushers, because we're talking about a lot of guys who have a great deal of potential, but only a few who have much production. Ojulari being one of the best in the, in the production range. And then because he's a younger player, you still are able to kind of project even more from him. But at the same time, it is spooky because when you look at the Georgia Bulldogs, they have an awful lot of talent in the back end as well. 
And so he certainly had a few more opportunities to get to the quarterback just because of the fact that they have, what, three or four or five defensive backs that might wind up being drafted this year, including a couple of them, but I think have a chance to go in the top 32. Right. I think there's at least three. There's uh, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, and is it uh, DJ Daniel? And yep. I might DJ be missing Daniel's somebody. The corner. Richard LeCount, Le- 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 yep. the safety. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, so you're right. There's four of them. That's uh, that's that's something I really hadn't thought about was the quality of that secondary at Georgia. Anyway, Rob, let's, let's move on to your second round pick at 42. You have the giants taking Liam Eichenberg, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. And the, my first question about Eichenberg, I had um, one of the guys on the podcast recently from SB nation's, Notre Dame website, which is called One Foot Down. And he was adamant that Notre Dame left tackles get drafted in the first round, period. They get drafted in the first round. Eichenberg's a Notre Dame left tackle. He's a first round draft pick. And, and, and I'm like, well, you know, none of the scouting reports say he's a first round draft pick. So, so, so you tell me, is, is this a guy is, at 42 for Eichenberg, is that a fall or is that the, the right value for him? I think, I think that uh, the mid-second round is about where Liam Eichenberg should go. I don't believe that he is going to go in the first round, as I just said, and I don't think that he's going to be an NFL left tackle. I think he's going to be a guard, maybe even a center. He's got 32-and-a-half-inch arms, and, and so uh, he's got nice feet. He, he's got good anticipation. He's a physical player. He's a, a very durable player, um, and, and with all due respect to the Notre Dames and, and, you know, and the, their tackles, I mean, sure, when you have the Ronnie Stanleys and the Mike McGlinchies of the world, and they've wound up playing very well in the NFL for their respective clubs. Yeah, that's that's an impressive track record. I'm a big fan of Liam Eikenberg. I'm a big fan of the rest of Notre Dame's offensive line as well. Um, I think that Eikenberg can walk into the NFL and compete uh, for a starting job. I just have my concerns about the fact that all he played at Notre Dame was left tackle. And again, because he doesn't have elite feet and he certainly doesn't he has average at best length uh then then i think that that, that position is going to most likely be inside and because he did not do that at notre dame that has to make you a little bit nervous but i do believe that he's a good football player uh, and i think that he's going to be a starting nfl guy i think that he's got again not only the physical traits but the toughness the durability the technique he was beaten at times last year um and, and because of those that arm length issue in my opinion that's one of the reasons why i think that he has as many holding penalties as he has but i think that you can kind of um you know mitigate those concerns as far as the speed rushers where he would get himself a little bit off balance and have to grab cloth. I think if you slide him inside the guard position, then you don't have those same kind of concerns. And I love his uh, kind of burly frame uh, and and obviously the level of competition that he faced. To me, those are all reasons why I think that he could come into the NFL and be successful pretty early in his NFL career. So you've basically already answered this, but you're drafting him at 42 as a guard, as a player to put into that competition with uh, Will Hernandez and, and Shane Lemieux and, and the veteran free agent they signed, Zach Fulton, um, to, to see who comes out of there as, as the Giants' starting guards? 
yeah, basically, I, I think that that's that's where he projects best, in my opinion. I remain a big fan of, of frankly, all three of those guards. I was a huge fan of Will Hernandez coming out of UTEP. I just think that, that he is more of a guy that needs to be a just a, a run block and kind of a maven. I mean, he's got that. That's his game, in my opinion. It's just the, the raw power at the point of attack. And and with the Giants, uh, you know, throwing the ball as much as they have, and obviously the loss of Saquon Barkley a, a year ago, I, I really think that that is not putting Hernandez quite as much in the position where he can have as much success. And so uh, he is a player that I, if, if he does struggle, then I have to, uh, I have to acknowledge that, that he was a guy that I was very high on. And if, if that's a miss by the giants, then it's a miss by me as well. All right. And just while we're on the subject, uh, what is your take on, on Shane Lemieux? I mean, I, I really like the kid as a fifth round pick giants fans were pretty excited. The pick was very well liked you know as a day three you know round five kind of pick um i love the physicality i love the run blocking but his pass blocking last year from what we could see his pass blocking was just abysmal um could could you have predicted that and and is that i mean in your mind with a with a kid like that is that always going to be an issue for him I think that Lemieux, because I live in the Pacific Northwest, that I, I had an opportunity to watch a lot of Shane Lemieux. Um, and I actually went the last two years, um, went down to, to Oregon's uh, practices throughout the summer. Um, was there primarily, of course, to focus in on the quarterback, Justin Herbert. But one of the things I heard over and over and over again um, is besides the freakish talent that is Penny Sewell, that the, the alpha in the room along the offensive line um, was Shane Lemieux. And, and so to me, what that says, especially when you have uh, the head coach that at Oregon, who is a former offensive line guy, uh, all that kind of stuff, to me, that is exactly what you're looking for. It's kind of like I talked about before Andrew Thomas and the, the, the improvement I expect from him in his second year. I think you're going to see that from Shane Lemieux as well. Um, at the same time, I also would, would point out that the Pac-12 has not been as good at producing dominant defensive linemen in the past. I think, frankly, that a lot of Pac-12 offensive linemen come into the NFL and they are just shocked by the, the size, the physicality, the speed uh, that, you know, that just that, that huge jump in competition they're facing. So I do expect Lemieux to, uh, to be much better in year two. Um, but at the same time, I also think that he was a guy that just based on tape, I thought that he played a little high at times um, and just his pad level. Um, and then he relied, in my opinion, on his initial jolt to be able to kind of move people at the line of scrimmage. And I wanted to see a little bit more uh, playing on the balls of his feet and kind of sliding laterally left to right. I think that's something that he could improve upon. All right. Hey, before we move off the second round, I jotted down a couple of notes of some of the guys that, that were still on the board, you know, with your pick at 42 and a guy that I ask everybody I talk to about is Purdue wide receiver Rondale Moore. And what I said, what I said the other day to uh, to an analyst I was talking to, and I think I was actually talking to Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and we were we were going through, we did kind of a deep dive into some of the into some of the wide receivers. 
And I said, look, when it comes to to two guys, you know, Tutu Atwell and Rondale Moore, I simply don't get it. I just don't get it. Um, You know, Atwell is a different story because, you know, he weighs about a buck and a half. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but Rondale Moore specifically, I see what he did against Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I see, I see all of that. But this is a guy who's basically been hurt for two years. When I look at his film, you know, half a let half of 2019, couple games in 2020. I I really don't see a guy who's ever open unless they just throw him the ball out on the wing and let him try to run with it. So am I crazy? Do I do I not see something that that you see or that the rest of the NFL sees? Um, you know, what's your take on on Rondale Moore? I like Rondell Moore, but I think that uh, the Ed that you and I see things very similarly in that he is a player that, and there's a lot of players in this class, in my opinion, that slot receiver types. I think that you have to kind of, uh, you know, almost create opportunities for them. Um, now, once they, they do have those opportunities, I think that's where Rondell Moore is dynamic and Atwell to a lesser extent as well. Obviously, the straight line speed that Atwell possesses, you can be a buck 50, as you said. I think he was, uh, you know, I think he measured in exactly 155 pounds. I mean, that that's frightening to me. I don't want a punter that's 155 no. pounds, you know, but at the same time, guys that can run four three um, are obviously rare. And to me with Rondell Moore, what's exciting is he does have that four three speed he also has the you know the 600 pound squat i mean he's got the 42 and a half inch vertical he's just about as explosive as a player as there is in this draft class in my opinion almost regardless of position and so i i just love the ability to run away from people um the physicality be able to drop his shoulder into defenders and, and be able to kind of bulldoze as if he was a much bigger receiver the 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 competitiveness that he has shown at the same time the the lack of durability that you cited uh the the fact that that he was not used as a traditional slot receiver he is not going to come in as a as a very sharp route runner you have to kind of create those opportunities for him i i think that that some nfl teams are very much interested in doing exactly that but those teams that are traditional um, then they are not going to be nearly as high on a player like Rondell Moore. So to me, he's one of those players that I think it, his stock is going to be fluctuating much more so um, among different NFL teams and different evaluators than, than most of the other wide receivers in this draft class, just because, again, there is so much projection to his game. All right, and uh, your your third-round pick is – Thomas Graham, cornerback out of Oregon at 76 for the Giants. Now, Graham, I will admit, is not a player that I'm really, really familiar with. I do love the idea for the Giants somewhere in the middle of the draft, three, four, one of their sixth-round picks, if, you know, if, if they haven't addressed it already. I love the idea of adding another corner to me, especially a guy who might be able to be a third outside corner, because I'm not optimistic that Sam Beal's ever actually going to get on the field. Um, you know, and, and Isaac Yadam is a, is a guy who's, who's limited. 
he did okay last year if the Giants protected him in in a soft zone. But but they you know they've got a Dory Jackson, they've got Bradbury, but they they could use you know a young developmental guy there. So just just tell me a little bit about about Graham. Yeah, I think that with Graham, you're talking about a guy who has speed, has ball skills. Um, you know, I, I think this is more about the the positional concern. I, I have some concerns about cornerback uh, for the Giants, and I think that they are going to be uh, addressing that position somewhere in the middle rounds, if not earlier. Um, you know, because if they have a Patrick Sertan, you know, fall in their lap at number eleven, I think that that has to be a consideration just because the player is good enough. Uh, with, with Thomas Graham. I I appear to be a little bit higher on him than a lot of people do. I I'd argue that I probably watched a little bit more tape on him, um, you know, just over his career than a lot of folks have the, the same point that I tried to make before about Aziz Ajilari, the edge rusher from Georgia. And I mentioned the, 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 you know, the talented secondary that he was playing in front of. That's one of my concerns with Graham and the, and the, uh, the, the, you know, Graham at the cornerback position is he had a terrific center or excuse me, a terrific safety in, in Javon Holland behind him, at least until this past year. And I didn't see the drop off in Thomas Graham's play that I expected, frankly, with the lack of the playmaking safety behind him, Javon Holland opting out on the season. I thought the Graham still played very, very well for a team that wound up winning the Pac-12. Um, and so to me, I think that he is a corner that maybe some of the other analysts out there are sleeping on a little bit. I do think that he's got a chance to be a top 100 selection. I, I do believe that, that he has a chance to be a starter, whether he's a little shorter than I, I prefer on the, at the outside. Um, but I think that he has the grit to be able to slide inside at the nickel cornerback spot. He actually reminds me of a little bit of another uh, kind of West Coasty uh, cornerback that, that wound up becoming a big-time player for the Buffalo Bills, especially in the playoffs this last year, Teron Johnson, who played his college ball at Weber State. I, I see a guy who doesn't have the great size, doesn't have elite speed, but is a playmaker and, and is a guy who uh, just has the sticky fingers and has the instincts that I think project very well to the NFL. Um, and frankly, one of the other things I think that we're, we may see in the draft this year, and I don't know if this is going to happen with the Giants, but you know, I've been trying to talk to NFL scouts a little bit about trying to get a feel for the, the difference between this year and last year and, and prior years in, in the draft. And one of the things, you know, of course, is that there, there was no combine this year Then most scouts that, you know, were allowed to go to, to team or to games or to team to see teams in person, then they were really close or really short little snapshot kind of opportunities to see them. And, and so what I think that we may see happen this year is I think that we may see certain programs or certain uh, teams that, that draft players from the same programs that they've had some success with in the past, or that teams that, that kind of draft players from, uh, from teams that they just drafted from the year before, and they've got some buy-in, they know some of the players that they're on their current NFL roster, and they're going to ask them, what do you think about this player? When I was trying to kind of read the tea leaves and see some of the cornerbacks who I thought made some sense um, for the Giants, I wonder if uh, the fact that, that New York has had some success uh, drafting some of these players out in the West Coast, um, and again, the Thomas Graham, in my opinion, fills a position of concern for the club. I just thought that he made some sense there as a, as a player that, that might uh, be in. Uh, interesting to the Giants at number 76 overall. 
cool. Now I have to go. Uh, now I have to go do some last minute draft studying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Rob, last question for you. I am firmly convinced. Now the giants have a pick at the fourth round at one sixteen. They do not have a fifth round pick courtesy of the, uh, of the much debated Leonard Williams trade, which which I think has worked out just fine for the Giants, all things considered. I would say so. <laughs> um, they have two sixth round picks. I think it's one ninety six and and two oh one. They have Saquon Barkley coming back off the ACL. They signed Devonte Booker, and and I'm still scratching my head at at the amount of money that they gave Devonte Booker to be a backup running back. But, but we're not really here to debate that. I am firmly convinced that they will at some point, if, if they can find value in round four or round six, that they will add to that running back room. Otherwise, they'll be out there this summer looking for somebody that's still free or somebody that gets cut just to add some depth. So it's kind of a long way of, long-winded way of saying, give me you know, two or three day three running backs that, that you, that you think could provide some really good value, some really good play. Well, it's funny. Um, you know, we were just talking about players in the West coast. I don't think get enough attention. And I just mentioned the Oregon duck. I'll mention the Oregon state beaver and Jamar Jefferson. Uh, you know, he's, he's a short squatty guy, you know, he's in that five, eight, five, nine, 215 to 220 pounds, uh, depending on where, when you weighed him in. Um, but at the same time, I love the balance through contact. I love the toughness. I thought that when uh, Oregon State played its toughest opponents over the years, and not just in the Pac-12, when they went to uh, to play Ohio State, Jamar Jefferson played some of his best games. And so to me, he's a really intriguing player. Um, Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech, an East Coast guy you guys may be more familiar with um, is a similar player um, who really popped this year for the Hokies after originally beginning his career um, at Kansas. And, uh, and so the fact that you have a back that, that, you know, kind of saved his best for last, I think that is something that, that always intrigues NFL teams. Um, I think that in my opinion, you know, going kind of going back to Devonte Booker and what I remember of him, you know, being another kind of somewhat Westy uh, coast guy at Utah, um, I saw a back that again had the good balance through contact. So I think that's something that clearly the Giants are prioritizing at the running back position. I still think that he is a significant drop off, not only in terms of just pure juice and compared to Saquon Barkley, but also is nowhere near the receiver uh, that Barkley is. And so I almost wonder if a guy like a Kylan Hill from a Mississippi State, because he does have terrific hands out of the backfield, he might be another one that would make some sense on day three as a possible change of pace back for the giants what about a guy like uh jared patterson the kid from buffalo I, I like Patterson. It's just we're talking about a completely different type of guy and that he's just as slim as he is. Um, but he has the, the jets to be able to make the big play. And just I don't know that he is going to make it to the, uh, you know, to the later rounds. Um, you know, I, I think that he 
might be available in the fourth round, but because he has this different element of, of straight line speed to him, because he's a pretty young player that doesn't have the, uh, you know, the, the, he still has a lot more tread on his tire, so to speak, um, than a lot of these other backs. Then I, I think that he, again, has a chance to go up a little bit earlier in this draft um, and therefore may not be in play for a team like the giants that frankly, I think has some other concerns that are, are bigger than at the running back position, assuming of course, that the giants feel really good about Saquon Barkley coming back from his knee injury. All right. Hey, Rob, we could do this. Uh, we could probably do this for hours, you know, <laughs> and, and I know, I know I would learn a lot, but, uh, but I think at this point, I think that's, that's a pretty good spot for, for us to wrap it up. So why don't you, uh, why don't you tell folks where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your, uh, where they can find your work these days, where they can, uh, where they can hear your, uh, your podcasts and, and all that good stuff. Okay. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. So of course my name's Rob Rang and uh, I've been covering the NFL draft for a little bit more than 20 years now. Um, you can find my, most of the draft information that I'm writing now um, right before the draft at foxsports.com. Um, I also write above me here in the, in and the screen is the Lindy's NFL uh, Draft Magazine. And so I am uh, pleased to have been a contributor to that here for the last, oh, 10, 12 years now. Um, and, and so very proud of, of that written publication um, and, and as well as, as the podcast. Uh, I am fortunate to work with a, a man named uh, Corbin Smith on the Locked On Seahawks uh, podcast, which, of course, again, is in the, my backyard. Um, and so I uh, get an opportunity to talk specifically uh, Seattle Seahawks when uh, – uh, you know, when I can, but again, my, the, the reason why some of your listeners uh, might be wanting to hear my opinions, just because of the NFL draft perspective that I've a, a been able to provide for the years. And um, you know, again, I, I, people sometimes will say draft expert. I think the draft experts are the 32 different general managers in the NFL. I, I try to break down the draft and I just like watching ball ed. I, I, I try to, you know, evaluate these players and, and try to not only use my own eyes to try to anticipate who is going to be successful in the NFL, but, but also try to bring some perspective. I've been doing this for a long enough time to see that there are some traits that really do project well, the NFL and some that just look good on highlight reels, but that if the player doesn't have the physical toughness, um, and the durability, then they're not likely to last very long in the league. And so I, I try to bring a little bit of everything to the equation. Well, we love talking to people who are smarter about these things than, uh, than we are. So really appreciate it, Rob. And, uh, you know, let, let, let's not make it years before you come back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely guarantee it. At any time you need anything, feel free to send me an email. We'll, we'll make it happen, sir. All right, Rob, thank you. Giants fans, thank you very, very much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.